Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and More. Welcome everyone to episode two of the NBA podcast presented by B-Ball Breakdown. I'm Brian Toporek, our loving host. <laughs> Morton Jensen cannot join us today, but I am joined today by Sarah Chalea. How are you, Sarah? Hello, Brian. How are you hanging in there? I'm awful, Sarah. I'm <laughs> truly, truly awful. Um, you know, usually we save our depressed fan segment until get to old navy for the biggest sale of the year up to 60 percent off all back to school styles for kids and baby get flip-flops for two bucks graphic tees for four bucks shorts for six dollars and jeans for eight dollars right now get the best kids styles at kid size prices just two four six and eight dollars can't wait to wear it buy online and pick up in store free today up to 60 percent off all kids and baby styles now at old navy and old navy.com valid 729 to 811 select styles excludes store clearance well the end of the show but today we're just we're gonna drop it right in the front because if you were online we're recording this on a thursday so if you were online last night at about seven o'clock out of nowhere espn's mark stein broke the news that sam hinkey the general manager of the philadelphia 76ers was resigning this came exactly one day after hinkey made an appearance on zach lowe's podcast in which he defended a lot of his work and talked very openly about the whole rebuild that he's been going through. Um, so yeah, it just came out of nowhere, and I'm awful um, because I really, I really, I bought into the overall process. I I acknowledged that some of the execution was flawed, but I really thought. The franchise had a long-term view in mind, and this move just doesn't doesn't seem to suggest that. So, Sarah, I'm going to ask you to talk me into this before I start ranting about why I hate it so much. All right. Well, since you asked for us to try to find something to cheer you up, the first thing I found to support this move is probably not going to cheer you up. 
But so I'm going to lead with this and then we're going to go into things that might make you feel better. Oh, good. All right. Awesome. All right. First thing I saw, I subjected myself to a segment of first take today. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. (laughs) And I will tell you that Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith are confident that starting next year, the uh, the Sixers will not stink anymore oh oh good all right well those guys i really value their opinion so <laughs> that's complete, wonderful they have complete and total faith in, in <laughs> michelangelo so great yeah i didn't think that would help a lot but no to play devil's advocate for you i think you know brian colangelo the easiest thing to go to is is those seven seconds or less sons obviously he he drafted marion mm-hmm. he drafted stoudemire he brought nash in those were great teams and he won executive of the year okay then, you know, you get to Toronto. Ah, it's not as terrible as it looks, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, let's see, what did he do? Obviously, he drafted Bargnani number one overall. Okay. Yeah. You can make a case that it wasn't the worst move to make because it wasn't a strong draft. Well, he probably could have taken LaMarcus. They had Bosch already. I'm assuming the theory was... Bargnani can step out that way, you know, he's not crowding Bosch. He can pull out uh, defenders to the three-point line. Okay, maybe. People have made the case that his draft profile was very similar to Kristaps. Uh, it didn't pan out, and that's, you know, every GM has hits and misses. When you start getting into the money that he was giving to Capono and Turkaloo <laughs> and Landry Fields, who I always liked Landry Fields, but yet that gets a little less defensible there (laughs) he probably also in that draft where they took Bargnani I think they were looking for a point guard at the time right the Raptors so he could have taken Rondo or Lowry who they ended up with anyway eventually that probably would have been the move but he's he's not terrible (laughs) you know he's got his yeah his uh, strong points his arguments in his favor Uh, the way this whole thing went down is is the worst part for me it's it's definitely a little embarrassing for the organization. Yeah. And I you know, not to paint Jerry Colangelo as like this snidely whiplash mustache twisting <laughs> villainous character, but that's kinda how I've seen him yeah. going back to you know, the way that he initially treated Greg Popovich for the, the Team USA stuff. You know, he he overlooks oh, right. him. But he's so smart that instead of having to explain why he overlooked him, he, he preempts that with, well, you know, telling everybody that Pop didn't didn't want the job, wasn't enthusiastic about the job. That's that's amazing to me that he did that. Yeah. And and kudos yeah. to Pop for basically telling him, Don't don't talk about me ever again. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. I uh at last night, remember when Boogie tweeted his stake mm-hmm. in the grass thing mm-hmm. about George Carl? Yeah, I, I, I said a similar yeah. thing once, I, <laughs> once the... So, yeah, you touched on a lot of what bothers me the most about this thing. It's, and I wrote about this at B-Ball Breakdown last night. I just... This news broke, and I just hate wrote for four mm-hmm. hours. Um, so it's really... I think two or three things really bother me. The first is... So the ownership hires Hinky. And they and theoretically, Hinky says, or he told Zach Lowe, this is, he went in to the room, he says, what do you guys want? Like, if you want to be mediocre, okay, I can do that. 
but the ownership told him, we want to build a contender. What does it take? And he said, you got to get a superstar. The easiest way to get a superstar is in the draft. And then once you get that superstar, it's easiest to retain him because of the way that CBA is structured. You can get, you know, you have an extra year. You can offer them more money. You can offer them higher salaries. So they said, okay. And they go this tear down, completely start from scratch, get rid of Drew Holiday, get rid of Thad, get rid of Evan Turner. Great. They admitted at the time that this is going to be painful and it's going to be really hard and there's you're not going to win very many games. So Hinky goes into the 2014 draft and Joel Embiid slips to three because of his foot injury. Now, if he's healthy, he's the number one pick by far, without question. He falls to three because of this foot, so there's risk involved. But in theory... Hinky says, okay, I've got this long-term timeline. I have this job security where I don't need to win right now, which is what a lot of teams at the top of the draft, they're looking for that guy that can change their franchise, turn it around overnight. Hinky was like, okay, Embiid's going to miss this first year, but he has the talent of the number one pick, and I'm getting him at number three. So that, you know, if, if they were not okay with that, he needed to know that right then. So then he goes and picks Dario Saric, or he trades for Dario Saric with Orlando and gets our first-round pick back from the, the Bynum deal. And same thing. If Dario Saric came over in 2014, he's probably a top 7, top 8 pick. He falls to 12 because he can't come over for two years. But he has the talent of a top 8 pick. So it's the, like those two guys are the essence of the process. You're taking advantage of undervalued assets because they they have some off-court or not necessarily off-court, but something not related to their right. talent is holding them back from being valued as they should be. So that's great. That's fine. And in theory, ownership is behind it. You know, the last season was pretty awful, but at least like toward the end of the year, Nerland started showing flashes. Um, the defense, I think they ranked 12th or 13th which is insane because they were playing with a bunch of D-League players in New Orleans. Uh, so, like, at least there was hope. There was, like, like, a light at the end of the tunnel, especially with Embiid maybe coming back. So it really started to all go wrong on draft night this year, where they have to, where, you know, it looks like Towns is by far the number one pick. Okafor looks like the number two pick. But then L.A. changes its course in, like, the last possible second, falls in love with D'Angelo Russell, takes him the Sixers are now with two big men they're kind of stuck because they they still want to go BPA Okafor probably you know he doesn't have the highest ceiling Chris Stapps does Moody A might even have a higher one but they wanted someone in theory safe and I'm now seeing how this how all unfolded I'm wondering did Hinky want Chris Stapps and did ownership overrule him were they saying, look, you, you took your two home runs last year. Now you got to go for a single or a double. Like, we need to show some sort of mm-hmm. tangible progress. You know, like, a lot of a lot of us were very confused by the Okafor pick because it seems so not up Hinky's alley. Like, he's been building around these, like, long, lanky athletes, great defenders, uh, a fast-paced team. Okafor is a slow, plodding, <laughs> low-post setter who cannot play any help defense whatsoever like it doesn't seem like a pick he would make so like looking at that in retrospect 
makes me wonder. And then, you know, they they ha- they needed a point guard, especially after you take Okafor and you have two two guys who really aren't going to thrive outside of like 10 to 15 feet. You need a guy who could feed the ball to the post, and they didn't address that. So I really think this whole thing started basically at the at the lottery at the 2015 draft. But then if the ownership tells Hinky he's working on a seven-year timeline, and then they say, wait a second, two years in, we haven't made that much progress. We need to start speeding things up. That's not what he was doing. He was operating under the assumption, look, like we had nothing when I came in. We had ne- like negative. We had negative value. We had traded away Iguodala. You had traded away Vucevic. You had traded away Harkless. You had two first-round picks all in the year before I came. So I'm just like refilling, restocking your cupboards, basically. I'm I'm getting our pick back. I'm getting a bunch of young talent. I'm making sure that we are not only set up to succeed in the near future, but once we start to actually make strides toward the 35-40, 45-win team, we still have a bunch of assets that we could still build around. So then the fact that they did this whole switch and hired Jerry Colangelo after they start 1-20, in like, it sent up some red flags, but I think a lot of us were thinking, okay, at least... Like, maybe, you know, Hinky sounded positive about it publicly. And of course, he's not going to, like, go out and start throwing shade at Jerry. Uh, but, you know, we all thought, like, okay, maybe they can make it work. Maybe Colangelo has this reputation of being this control freak. But maybe Hinky is just like, you know what? I'll just figure out a way. And it sounds like he was still open to it. It sounds, I mean... They tried to, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the Adrian Wojnarowski report today, but mm-hmm. he, oh my God, he just detailed. It sounds like everything was yep. driven by Colangelo here. So it just makes me, it makes me so mad that ownership caved. And it puts, it really puts all of the pressure on them now. Because it, in my opinion, now if this thing works, if they, if the Sixers go out, if Embiid comes back healthy, if Sarge comes over this year, if they get uh, Ben Simmons or Brandon Ingram, if they get mm-hmm. the Lakers pick, people are going to credit Hinky because he, he laid the seeds for all of this. And now if it doesn't work, who's left? Like, Colangelo is going to take the heat for this. So this is <laughs> not a win-win for Hinky because he's currently unemployed. But, like, his reputation either way is going to look better than it would have if he right. had stayed in the job and failed, like if he had struck out in free agency this summer, if the pick, if they fall to four and have to take like freaking Buddy Heald, it's, uh, I'm just so, I'm so bummed. I'm just so bummed because I really thought, like we all bought into what ownership said. Like when they bought the team, they talked about how they wanted to build with a long-term process in mind. When Hinky took the job, he said one of the big things right. was they valued process over results. So he was talking about the Andrew Bynum trade, and it blew up. It was a horrible trade in retrospect, but it's still defensible. And a lot of the pro-process people were also pro-Bynum. Mm. Like, that's a, the type of swing-for-the-fences deal you make. Like, if Bynum stays healthy, he is a franchise center. You could have him locked up for the next half decade. The game evolved, so, <laughs> you know... During that time, you could wonder whether he would have been as valuable as he looked at the, you know, back in 2011, 2012. 
but he's the type of franchise piece the Sixers hadn't had since Allen Iverson. So we at least got excited about that. And the fact that they, mm-hmm. it just seems like ownership got cold feet here. And it just, uh, it's so discouraging. Because now I have zero faith this summer that they're going to do anything right. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I like from your article that you wrote at B-Ball Breakdown, you said the Sixers could add as many as four lottery picks and six first-rounders to their roster before free agency begins. So like you said, Hinky put them in decent position, regardless of, you know, if people want to agree with the way he went about it or not. And it's it's a disappointment, and it's kind of a shame that he doesn't get to see it through, like that he got this far, and, and now he has to leave. But like you said, it's almost almost kind of works out for him because you get the feeling he's he's going to land on his feet somewhere eventually and he doesn't have to see it through now <laughs> as, as disappointing as it is that he doesn't get to right. he doesn't have to so it's up to you know the Colangelo's now to to make that work but what you wonder is I mean it's not super surprising that that they got cold feet because you know this is such a what have you done for me lately? Let's results now mm-hmm. based business. But like you said that, you know, they agreed initially that this was going to be a long process. They let him get what three years into mm-hmm. it. What made them feel like they needed to bring somebody else in right now? Yeah, I've read so many right. articles today that I, I no longer even remember, but I think the, the theory was, you know, his lack of interpersonal mm-hmm. skills, is that what Yeah, you yeah, they said, like, he's... Yeah. And that was a thing even in December, and that's why people were excited about Jerry, because he's the Team USA chairman. It's like, mm-hmm. that. you figure he's going to be the kind of public face. Hinky doesn't like doing that stuff. He'll help smooth things over with agents, because uh, they're going to, like, by all accounts, from Hinky to Brett Brown to Colangelo, they're going to actually try to sign a free agent this year for the first time in four years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it, I, I'm glad you touched on that. Cause that's the other, the big thing that's bothering me is like, if you're going to make this move, I think Woj reported last night that the ownership didn't think he was going to step down, even if they hired someone else mm-hmm. to like be co-GM with him or whatever the hell their plan was. <laughs> if you're going to make this move, like the only two candidates that we've heard of are Jerry Colangelo's son and Danny Ferry. And I like I I wouldn't have hated Danny Ferry, but like don't you do a wider search than this? Like before the the off season that is poised to make or break what you've been doing for the last three years? It seems insane to me. Yeah. Yeah, you would think that's that's the part that bothers me the most. It rubs me the wrong way. I'm sure that's you know, this is the way business is done more often than I like to believe. <laughs> But, yeah, how do you get away with, you know, uh, Hinky's out the door last night, and within an hour or two, we're hearing that they're trying to get a deal done with Brian Colangelo today. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, you would, I mean, I guess if if you're not, if you don't want anybody else, if you want him only, I guess don't waste anybody else's time, but it would have felt better for the fans to see them actually do a, a real search right especially because woge's article today said brian colangelo wanted no part of this job like he was right he he just he wanted the brooklyn job and like holy hell you want the brooklyn job like no one wants the brooklyn <laughs> job the Bro- brooklyn has nothing for the next five years they've traded away all their picks 
We have like young talent and a bunch of picks, and you want the Brooklyn job over this? Like, oh, oh. <laughs> Basically, this was the end of the depressed fan skill segment because there uh, will never ever be as depressed as I am right now. This was we broke the scale. It had. I wish. Uh, I wish Morton was yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, you know, he'd be kind of twisting his. Oh, stick. absolutely. He's he's a little he's a little sadistic. Yeah. Like that. Well, I he, he here's the thing. I'm. I would wish that Hickey, like the Bulls fire all of their people and Hickey goes to the Bulls. But that, like, good for the Bulls. Like, whoever gets Hickey next is going to cash in. And if he goes to, like, a place like Minnesota, oh, God, just watch out for the rest of the league. Like, you have you have that guy who has won every trade he's had for the past three years with Townsend Wiggins locked up for the next decade. Good night, NBA. And, uh, you know what, too? Before we hung up the other day, Morton said, and we were talking about how this has been such a kind of gossipy, yeah. scandal-filled year here for the NBA. And I have to say, Morton said something big is coming. Uh, something else really big is going to happen. <laughs> I thought, really? You really think so? I, mean, I think we topped out at yeah. young D'Angelo Russell. So we thought. And he's like, no, something's coming. He knew. He was right. He, he had sources inside <laughs> the Sixers organization. He just didn't want to break my heart. All right, well, oh, let, let's talk about something a little sunnier. The And the playoffs. The okay. playoffs start next next weekend. Um, things are heating up in both conferences. So let's mm-hmm. let's talk about the East a little bit first. Uh, so right now, the three through six race has been fantastic for weeks. Right now, Atlanta and Boston are tied for third. Uh, Miami is fifth. They're only a half game behind those two. And then Charlotte is sixth. Charlotte's only a game behind. So it's really, it's up in the air. Any of those four, we don't know where they're going to end up. So Sarah, which which of those four, like how would you like to see that first round shake out? How would you like to see those matchups? Mm, I would like to see, of course this isn't through the first four, right. but I would like to see the Cavs and the Pistons in the first mm-hmm. round for 1-8. I just think that would be... I don't think the Cavs want to deal with that. I think they would rather have the Pacers at this point. For the Heat, I think the Heat are going to move up. Mm -hmm. But the best matchup, I would think, would be Hawks-Hornets, which is where it is right Mm -hmm. now. And I would take take Celtics Heat. Yeah. But I don't think we're going to get that. I think the Heat are going to move up. But I don't know. What do you want to see? Yeah, I'm I'm (laughs) with you. I mean, so I'm still of the mindset that Miami of any team that's not Cleveland or Toronto, Miami is that one that I could easily see going to the finals. So I almost want them to avoid Boston because Boston scares me as well. Uh, But that, that said, you know, I, I, that Boston Miami series would be just fantastic. That's, Oh my gosh. I have no idea who I would pick. Like I, I would lean Miami, but who knows? Like Boston has, They've just overachieved all year, so there's no reason mm-hmm. to expect them to stop now. They're going to be such a tough out. Yeah. They really are. And now there's talk that uh, Miami might sign Darrell Wright as well, which would just give them another mm-hmm. 3 and D guy right a week <laughs> before the playoffs start. And who knows? I mean, we haven't heard anything about Chris Bosh in a while. The Heat have said they don't have any updates on him. I mean, we can't reasonably expect him to come back. But, right. like, what a surprise that would be like what an ace of the hole that would be if he comes back friday night before the playoffs start oh by the way bosh is coming back tomorrow (laughs) okay all right cool 
Yeah, I'm with you. I like uh, Boston, Miami, Atlanta, Charlotte. And yeah, Cleveland, Detroit would be fun because Andre Drummond would just, oh, he would feast. Oh my God, it would be awesome. <laughs> exactly. And Tobias Harris would get, my boy Tobias Harris would get a, uh, he would get the national attention that he's deserved since coming to Detroit. Yeah. Which would be. <laughs> Win-win. Yeah. And then Toronto, Indiana, like that could be frisky. I like, you know, I, I don't think that series draws huge ratings, but Paul George mm-hmm. against DeMar DeRosa would be fun. Miles Turner doing Miles Turner things would be fun. Like the East, I don't know how many first round upsets we're getting, but uh, like the East, it's it's gonna be a bloodbath for the first time in how long? Like I feel like every year it's been top three or top four heavy, and this year, I don't know that anyone does win, but no, not a single team is gonna have a cakewalk. Like I, I don't foresee a single sweep in the first round. I hope so. I hope it's it's nice and competitive. Yeah. So, which of those four of the three through six do you think poses the biggest threat to Cleveland or Toronto? Well, I agree with you. It's it's probably the Heat. Uh, especially, you know, we'd all like to see Heat Cavaliers for many reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. But I'm going to give the Celtics some credit. <laughs> I feel like, let's see, of course, they got swept last year mm-hmm. by the Cavs, but you know they have that year under their belt now. Right. They got Brad Stevens. Uh, they get they got Sullinger, um, Jarebko, all these guys that kind of pop out and shoot these jump shots and just mess with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Isaiah Thomas is a terror. I think. Oh, Avery Bradley! I love Avery Bradley. Yeah, he's so good. <laughs> uh, so man. I just, I think that would be a lot of fun. So uh, I'll go with the Celtics if you want to grab heat. <laughs> I like it, yeah. And we get the bad blood of Kelly Olynyk and Kevin Love meeting yeah, up again. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be, how many technical fouls are going to be in that first game? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I'm with you. I think any of those four could feasibly pull an upset. I'm not saying they're going to. But I'm also not going to say I'm penciling in a Cleveland-Toronto conference finals yet. Like, I think, especially, you know, Toronto, it sounds like Damari Carroll's coming back soon. He'll be back by the playoffs, but we don't know. But, yeah, like, Miami, especially since Joe Johnson has come, they've just figured out how to play that team. Like, bringing Whiteside off the bench. Eric Spolestra, he doesn't get enough credit for how good of a coach he is. Like, people during the LeBron era just said, oh, LeBron's the coach. You know, he Spolestra does, he holds them back. He doesn't do anything. You know, and that always happens unless you're Pop or Steve Kerr. Like, if you're the coach of a good team, the players get the credit when you win and you get killed when they lose. But Spo is a really good coach. And, yeah. I, you know, we talked last time about if we had faith in Tyron Lue as a first-time head coach of the playoffs, like, Spoh's going to run circles around him. Yeah. Especially, I mean, given the type of versatility Miami has now, like, they have very much embraced a small ball lineup, which Cleveland is not well-equipped to play against. So, oh, yeah, I really, I'm dying, dying to see Cleveland-Miami in the second round. Mm. Um, all right, so let's move to the West for a little bit, because we can... Uh, Talk about your Spurs. Yeah. We'll do we'll do this seven and an eight first because I think that's 
the more interesting race uh, at this point. At least, you know, five and six, it seems like Memphis and Portland are in. We just don't know what order. So last night, Houston laid a giant egg against Dallas. Uh, and now Dallas is seventh. Uh, Utah is eighth. They're a game behind Dallas. And then Houston is now ninth, a game behind Utah. So, Sarah, as a Spurs fan, do any of those teams scare you? I'll be honest with you. First, <laughs> I'm a very, very careful fan. Like, I never want to put out there that I want anybody. I don't want anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would take, you know, I'm sorry to do this, but the Sixers, if, if I could. Oh, yeah, that's but, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, right now, to be honest, I, I would be more afraid of the Jazz and the Mavs. If mm-hmm. if I had to pick one, I guess I would prefer the Jazz. And I'm not talking about the Rockets, even though the Rockets have a good chance to get in there. I think they have the tiebreaker over the Jazz right now, uh, going to record versus Western Conference teams. Okay. But they both yeah. have four left against the West, so that's subject to change. Mm-hmm. I just I have no faith whatsoever in the Rockets. Right. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I don't feel like they should get in. <laughs> yeah. I would rather see the Jazz and the Mavs hang in there. Uh, I agree. But the Mavs played really well last night. I mean, Dirk didn't have yeah. the best game, but they really played as a team. They really moved the ball. They defended hard. So, And I never want to see Carlisle <laughs> in yeah. the playoffs. Uh, that's uh, fair. And, you know, we all know what they did two years ago in the first round against the Spurs. Obviously, it's a different oh, team, yeah. but... Yeah, I don't want to see them ever. The Jazz, <laughs> the Jazz are younger now and uh, they have less experience. Maybe you think you can you can get them and teach them for a year, maybe. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean they came back on the Spurs. Was it Tuesday night? They the Spurs were up sixteen, I think, going into the fourth quarter, and the Jazz had this furious rally. And uh, they're they're formidable, but I yeah. would like to see them stay eight. And mm-hmm. play the Warriors. Uh, they've yeah. played the Warriors tough all year. I mean, the Mavs could potentially give the Warriors some trouble too. Uh, Carlisle's going to get in that zone and try to muck things up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd like to see Warriors Jazz Spurs. Yeah. I, I like I said, I'd rather the Spurs play the Jazz too. <laughs> but <laughs> but Spurs Mavs would be a good first round series. Yeah, I'm I'm right with you. I think uh, I th- Utah of those three is the team that scares me the most mm-hmm. if I had any dog in the fight, which I don't because I'm a Sixers fan and I can't ever dream of the playoffs. Um, especially, so it sounds like Alec Burks might be coming back mm. in the next game or two. And that's the, that's the kind of thing, like same with Miami and Darrell Wright, like getting a guy back, and same with Toronto to Damari Carroll too, getting a guy back like a week before the playoffs that you haven't had for three or four months mm-hmm. like that just adds you know it's not like it's not like the Clippers getting Blake back where this guy is like a centerpiece of your team right and you have to figure out how to like reintegrate him and not throw off the chemistry that you've developed without him like Alec Burks doesn't have to play a big role he can be 10 15 20 minutes off the bench right but he just gives you another weapon yeah there's and less, can... less pressure on that guy coming in yeah Blake, right yeah. exactly exactly and then you know Sheldon Mack has been playing at least reasonably well since they acquired him at the trade deadline. Gordon Hayward terrifies me. Mm. Like, I would not, you know, if you're 
up two and the Jazz have the ball with the last possession, I'm not excited about that scenario. It's scary. The, yeah, the good news then, is Kawhi usually holds him down. That's the only good, good thing for us. <laughs> good point, good point. Yeah, I mean, Utah, as you said, they played the Warriors tough, uh, I think, pretty much every time they played them. I mean, maybe the Warriors have beaten them. Uh, at least twice, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, I don't know. Like, the Warriors and the Spurs just seem to be so far above uh, everyone else, even though the Warriors have hit quote-unquote a slump in the last <laughs> couple games uh but yeah i do think utah is a little frisky and could maybe can't pull off the upset but they could yeah. at least make it 4-2 and uh you know plant some seeds of doubt in whichever team they play mm-hmm. yeah so let's let's go briefly to the west 5-6 so right now memphis and portland are tied Portland only has two games left, both at home against Minnesota and Denver. Memphis, meanwhile, goes to Dallas at home against Golden State, at the Clippers, and at the Warriors. So basically, Portland is going to be the fifth seed, and Memphis mm-hmm. is going to be the sixth seed. That's The schedule makers did not do Memphis a favor. No. So my first question is, do you think Portland has a chance of knocking off the Clippers and moving on? I don't want to say no, <laughs> just because obviously they have CJ and Damian uh, that could get hot, but no, I think the Clippers <laughs> are going to take that one. Uh, the only way that they might not is say they have a lot of trouble integrating Blake mm-hmm. and their chemistry is thrown all off, and or he, he doesn't get up to speed, but I still think they have enough to get it done. Damian Lillard's going to have that, that chip on his shoulder which is terrifying, but now I think the Clippers are, are going to take that. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little more high on Portland's chances. I think I'm not going into that series saying they're definitely going to win, but they've been playing really well lately, especially since mm-hmm. moving Mo Harkless into the starting lineup. Alfaruka Minu's gotten a little more comfortable. He's been playing some stretch four. As you said, Damian and CJ, like, Damian's going to have that 40-point game where he just goes mm-hmm. absolutely supernova. <laughs> and, uh, like, you know, the Warriors, they've lost now nine times. Only one of those losses came by 20 or more points, and that was against Portland. That was the game where Dame went for 51. <laughs> so, you know, Clippers are going to have home court. Uh, in theory, they're probably saving Blake. You know, they're not, like pushing him too hard for these last couple games or just getting him back up to speed. So, you know, they definitely, the Clippers definitely have the advantage in terms of firepower, um, especially, like, I don't know who on Portland has a chance against DeAndre. I think that's going to be a big mismatch. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I'm I'm reluctant to rule out Davian Lillard. Like, he, he thrives on the doubters, so... Yeah, it's never good it, to... Yeah, yeah him out. exactly. Um, so the last question there is, which of the last of the top three, the Warriors, Spurs, or OKC, would you want to see the Grizzlies play? Well, <laughs> as a Spurs fan, I-, I would be okay with playing the Grizzlies, which is usually, usually not the case because <laughs> right. they are such a scrappy team, but just with them just having nothing left almost, you know, obviously that's probably not, well, that might happen. Maybe they drop down to seven. 
I would rather see them play the Clippers. I know that's not what you asked. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I would like that just because they have that history, of course. You know, it's not going to be the series that we've seen in the past because of what has happened to the poor Grizzlies. But that could be fun just because. Uh, But so I guess, you know, I'd take Spurs Grizz, but OKC Grizz might be what happens. Yeah, I mean, it looks like, so they are two games ahead of Dallas and three games ahead of Utah, so it seems, I mean, you could reasonably say that they are probably going to lose every game Mm -hmm. from here on out, or maybe they steal the one against Dallas, but Golden State now has incentive. They have to win out to get to 73, so they're not going to be resting guys on the last night. Right. Um, So you could basically rule those two out. The at the Clippers is going to be pretty tough, so they they could very well fall to seven or eight, and you could at least possibly get them as a Spurs opponent. I mean, the Clippers the Clippers series would be fun because Lance Stevenson <laughs> could have a revenge tour against Doc Rivers, and I just oh man, would I nothing would be funnier than Lance and then Doc trading a first round pick just to get rid of Lance, yes, and then having. And then having him destroy the Clippers and knock them out in the first round. It would just be like the <laughs> the pinnacle of Doc as a GM. Um, you know, I I think seems like it's probably going to be Memphis OKC, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like, it, you know, Conley's, it sounds like he's not coming back for the playoffs, so OKC, mm-hmm. it's not going to be a fair fight. Yeah. But I do love Tony Allen against Kevin Durant. Yeah. It seems like that's something to hang on to if that's what we get. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like to, for whatever reason, KD just really Tony Allen always gets in his head. <laughs> so it'll be really fun to see uh, if that happens again. I mean, Russ will just go. He'll, oh my gosh, he'll just go full supernova. He's gonna have a triple double every night because they're not. Uh, I mean, I don't even know who who. You can't use Tony Allen on two guys, so good luck to whoever Tony Allen is not guarding. Maybe they throw, what, Nat Barnes on him? I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I guess you could at least try that, because that's <laughs> <laughs> their only hope. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel like of all of all of those bottom th- four, I guess, including Houston, Memphis is the one that I just, there's no way. There's no way they get yeah. out of the first round, which sucks, but... Yeah. They just don't have enough right now. Yeah, they're, they're too battered. You think if uh, if the Doves should drop a game between now and then? No, that's a stupid question. Never mind. I was going to say maybe <laughs> maybe you think they rest somebody that last game, but they still could tie the record. But reasonably, they could assume that they could win with, with resting some people right. against the Grizzlies. Yeah, that's so. true. And, I mean, if they lose, say that we're – Again, we're recording this on a Thursday, so Spurs dubs in Oracle is tonight. If they lose tonight, and then if they lose on Sunday when they play the Spurs again, then they can't even tie the record. So maybe at that point, they just say, screw it, let's let's rest. So yeah, that's a good point. The Memphis might not be as screwed as their schedule might suggest, <laughs> but they're, they're pretty screwed. But they probably are, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, let's move on to our Where Amazing Happens segment, and we're going to stick with a Spurs-centric theme for a minute. This year has turned into the year of 1,000 in the NBA. So Golden State is the first team in NBA history to hit 1,000 threes in a season. Steph Curry is the first player in NBA history to score 1,000 points off three-pointers alone. And now Tim Duncan 
has his own 1,000. He got his 1,000th regular season victory on Tuesday. I think that he was... I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Robert Parrish are the only other two who have ever done that, and he's the first one to do it with one team. So, Sarah, just... just uh, Here's your opportunity to quote a little bit. How... <laughs> How has it been with Timmy for the last 18 years? I can't even put that into words. <laughs> you know, it's been, I'm just so grateful to have had this whole time to watch him. I, I've only known Tim Duncan. I've only known the big three the whole time I've been a Spurs fan. So when that changes, it's going to be a really tough day. But for now, I'm just going to celebrate 1,000 wins. And I mean, to me, that's... That's so fitting that he should be the only guy to do that with one team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been fantastic. It's been hard these last few games, though, to see him. You know, I don't know if it's a symptom of he said all year that he's adjusting to knowing what his role is. He's still trying to figure out what his role is on this team. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you know he's kind of fallen out of rhythm too from not being asked to do as much. Uh, but he's still in there protecting the middle. And you still expect that he's going to turn it on when the playoffs come. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I don't even want to talk about the future right now. <laughs> so we're just we're just going to hold on to 1,000 wins. So congratulations, Timmy. I was about to ask if you thought this is the end for him. <laughs> if he, uh, even if, I was going to, I mean, if he goes out, if they win the sixth ring, I feel like he's got to just go out on top. But mm-hmm. even if they don't, you know, maybe he's already 40, right? Like, maybe this is the end. But yeah, he will be, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll spare you that talk for today. We'll <laughs> we'll save that for uh, once the playoffs start. You know, I, I do want to, I mean, regardless of what happens, like, we've had this Kobe adoration tour all year, and it seems weird that we haven't done the same for Tim Duncan. And I know their personalities are so different, and Tim probably wouldn't even want that. But you know, Kobe gets the the honorary All Star nod because it's his last season. But like for all we know, this could be Tim Duncan's last season as well. And it seems mm-hmm. weird to me that we didn't have any sort of recognition of that during All Star Weekend, uh, or you know, even throughout the whole season. Like we're mm-hmm. not talking about this guy who is you know arguably higher on the all time NBA greats list, or like. They're right there with each other, um, you know. We're, we're just having we're having a countdown. This is Kobe's fourth to last game ever. <laughs> Tim Duncan, like, we're not going to get very many more years of him, regardless of its if it, if he goes at the end of this year or stays one more year. So, you know, I, I as someone who's not a Spurs fan, I'm not being a homer here. It just bums me out that Tim's not getting that same kind of recognition. Yeah. Yeah, it it is weird, but it isn't. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of what you expect. There have been a few times over the course of the year where I'll stop and think, like you said, this could be it, and we're not acknowledging it. And <laughs> probably a lot of people will regret that if if this is it. Mm-hmm. But uh, then I just stop thinking about it because I don't want to think about it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> All right, so. Duncan wasn't the only one who got his name in the NBA record books on Tuesday. Russell Westbrook, 17th triple-double of the year, which ties him with Magic Johnson for the most in the past 30 years. 
So I'm wondering, you know, we've started so at the end of the season, it's time to start thinking about awards and all that kind of stuff. Do you think he's the MVP runner-up behind Steph? I think it's possible that the voters will go that way. You know, I have my Spurs goggles on at yep. the moment, so <laughs> so I would probably say Kawhi, but I, I don't know that they're going to give Kawhi quite that much recognition. I don't personally feel like he should be if I'm going to try to make an objective uh, argument because of how terrible they've been in fourth quarters this year. And it's a lot of it is, you know, his decision making. Mm-hmm. But you can't argue with, I mean, that's an incredible accomplishment. The numbers that he's putting up to have that many triple doubles too is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you can't, if, if he ends up being run up, I don't know why we're arguing over it anyway. Like it matters. <laughs> There's right. one MVP. Right. But um, if he ends up being a runner up, you can't really be that mad about it. Yeah. He, he's a terrific player and, and he and KD pretty much keep that team as high in the standings as they are. So. Right. Yeah, I think we have to argue about runner-up because the number one is just so obvious. If, if, <laughs> exactly. Steph, if Steph isn't the first year as MVP, the voters have done something wrong. Yeah, I mean, I submitted my ballot, my fake ballot, the other day, and I did actually have Russ second. Yeah. You, know, you, you bring up a good point about the fourth quarter struggles, and he is nowhere near the defender as Kawhi. Like, Kawhi is a right. clearly better two-way player. And Kawhi has also taken major strides forward on offense this year. Like, he's assumed the leadership mantle. Uh, really, the one like, you expected to see that after the 2014 finals. And now he's really just full bloom. Like, he is that player all the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't think... There's not really a bad pick between Russ, KD, Kawhi, LeBron. Like, any of those four have a really good argument. Right. I just think... You know, we talked about this, I think, on the last podcast. So Russ goes, like, just he goes totally ham when KD and Ibaka are out at the end of last season. And people are saying, okay, well, yeah, he's got to pad his stats because those guys are out. And, like, once they come back, he's not going to do this. But now he's doing it with those two guys in the lineup. Like, he's really good. Like, even, I mean... It just seems like even the people who used to say, like, oh, Russ isn't a true, true point guard, he's not that good. Like, I haven't seen that as much this year. It seems like people have finally been forced to embrace, like, oh, he's, like, a top five NBA player. Like, he's incredible. Right. Yeah, however you want to define point guard, I think people will still make those complaints. But right. I think maybe they're getting to the point where does it matter? No, yeah. <laughs> he's just right? a great player. Yeah. And he's doing what his team needs him to do, so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so because we have spent 20 minutes crapping on the Sixers at the beginning of this podcast, I want to take a, take a look at one of our Atlantic Division counterparts because they are doing something equally insane. Apparently, reports are that they are actually considering keeping Kurt Rambis as their head coach next year. Bill Jackson reportedly was like really pushing for this. Carmelo is not happy about it. He wants there to be... Uh, an open coaching search, and he wants some input into the decision, which seems to suggest he wants anyone aside from Mm. Kurt Rambis. (laughs) And now, uh, today, Patrick Ewing started lobbying for his candidacy as the Knicks coaching job. So, Sarah, what do you think the Knicks should do here? Should they go with Rambis? Do you have another name in mind who would be a good fit? 
I do not at the moment, but you know what? Haven't people been saying possibly Tibbs? I don't know if yeah. you want that job, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I you say they're considering keeping Grambus, and I've seen that report as well. The question is why? Yeah. Like, what has he shown that was any better than what Derek Fisher was doing? I know he's only had however many games, but didn't we talk about this too? And this was not a podcast that we that we put out there to everybody. This was a while ago that we talked about this, but that he he's wants to play Kristaps at the three. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. <laughs> no, I just I don't see why we would want to go that route. Yeah. And like you said, Carmelo doesn't seem to be on board. I think they have to. They have to actually do an exhaustive search here and mm-hmm. and do some interviews, guys, <laughs> and see. Let's see who might be a good fit here. Yeah, that the Kristaps at the three thing is my deal breaker. Like that. Yeah. When you heard that, it's just like, oh my god, this guy, he's operating in 1995 still, where <laughs> where big men are patrolling the perimeter. Like that's no, he's a stretch five. Sorry, Kurt. Um, I'm looking at the report from Mark Stein and Ian Begley. So. Apparently, sources say Phil Jackson sees Rambus as the coach best suited to not only run the triangle offense he favors, but also manage the team using Jackson's long-held principles. So basically, <laughs> the Zen master is trying to turn the Knicks into Lakers East, except say, yeah. except his Shaq and Kobe are a 32-year-old Carmelo Anthony and a 21-year-old or 20-year-old Kristaps. <laughs> so, oh, boy. That's, that's going to go well. Yeah, I mean, I think Tibbs has definitely been thrown around. Apparently, Phil Jackson is not a Tibbs fan. Like, I guess he hmm. he's more in the Rambus camp and doesn't think Tibbs is going to do the <laughs> triangle. Uh, but, yeah, it does. I mean, Tibbs is a great coach, and I think the Bulls have realized that this year under Hoiberg, what they're missing with Tibbs. Mm-hmm. I do worry <laughs> what Tibbs does to Kristaps. Mm-hmm. Like, if he plays him plays right for, yeah, into the ground. Yeah, yeah like... Yeah, I I like seeing Kristaps be good, <laughs> and I don't want his knees to turn into paper mache. So that does worry me. But yeah, I, I I mean, my God, if they if they hire Kurt Rambis without doing a search, it would be like hiring Brian Colangelo as your general right? manager without doing a search. It would be so insane. You can't even talk about it. So let's move on to. Uh, our boy Kobe, his last game is this coming Wednesday against the Jazz. And he says he doesn't want the Jazz to take it easy on him. Good old Kobe. Do you think, yeah. I think they have uh, four games left, I want to say. Do you think we get one more vintage Mamba showing before he hangs it up for good? I'm going to say one more. Mostly because I hope for one more. But... uh I'm just gonna try to enjoy whatever whatever we have left. Yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna ask too much of Kobe, but I don't know. You think he you think he just starts chucking? I mean, not that he hasn't been. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But yeah, you think he goes all out? I hope so. Like he was just shameless at the beginning of the year. And they, I mean, he shot like I want to say 30 percent from the field for the first month, and it was awful. And I wrote about it at Bebop Breakdown. I how they just needed him to like turn it over the young guys and just like yeah. rein it in a little bit but screw it now they're locked into the <laughs> second worst record they have four games left they've ruined d'angelo russell's rookie season anyway like i want to see kobe take 35 shots a game like 
I'm just happy he made it through the season healthy. I mm-hmm. think this is the first time he's done that in the last four years, so that's awesome. Um, I'm glad he got to go out on, you know, on this note in the sense that he made it through the whole season, not that he, for the third season in a row, they set the franchise record yeah. for losses. That's not ideal, <laughs> but I, I'm with you. I hope we get one more, one more vintage outing from the Mamba. So let's move on to our weekly crush segment. Uh, and Sarah, let's start with you. Who do you have as your crush this week? All right, I went with Tim Frazier. Yes. With the Pelicans. Uh, in 12 games with that team, he's had he's been averaging 13.8 points, a little over six assists, four rebounds, over one steal, uh, like two and a half turnovers in 28 minutes. Uh he set career highs on Sunday at Brooklyn. His first double double. He had 19 points, 13 assists, zero turnovers. He's just been playing really well, so well in fact that uh, New Orleans fans are annoyed with him for not tanking. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, he couldn't help them beat the mighty Sixers. So that's true. Just, yes, just let him live. Yes, Pelicans fans, let him live. Uh. He's 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 making a strong case to stick around. Uh, like I said, hey, if y'all don't want him in New Orleans, I would take him in San Antonio. Yeah, he, he's he been, I mean, I've been tracking him uh, just for, like, fantasy basketball purposes because, you know, mm-hmm. this is the time of the year where those, like, random dudes just pop up and are, like, right. James Ennis on the same team has become fantasy relevant. Yeah, Tim Frazier has been, he's been a stud. And it kills me because he was on the Sixers last year. Like, they... The Sixers signed him to two 10-day deals, and he was flaming garbage. So I don't know where this came from, but thanks a lot, Timmy. At least at least I think that game against the Sixers, he was subtly tanking for New Orleans because he was like, you know what? Yeah. I owe you one, Sixers. Good man. Yeah. So my crush this week, talked about him a little bit earlier, J.J. Barea, who... I thought was kind of flying under the radar, and then he won Western Conference Player of the Week. So <laughs> there went that idea. But so Darren Williams, who has been playing really well this year, I don't want to insult right. Darren Williams here, but he uh, he apparently has been playing with a sports hernia for about a month now. He Jeez. aggravated it uh, against Portland on March 23rd and has missed the last seven games. Sounds like. I don't think he has a timetable to return still, so it sounds like we might not see him again this season, even if the playoffs start. Uh, but Berea, since coming in, he has, for the past seven games, he's started five of them. He's averaging 22.3 points on 52.9% shooting, 6.3 assists, 3.3 rebounds, and three threes in just under 32 minutes a night. Dallas has won five straight after losing his first two. And, like, once D-Will went down, you know, you, you see them without D-Will. Chandler Parsons is probably, presumably done for the year. You see Dallas, and you're like, oh, man, they're, they're in trouble. They might miss the playoffs. And little J.J. Barea comes back <laughs> and saves their season. Like, it, I mean, he just... He roasted the Rockets on Wednesday. 27 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds. and It's amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. Because I feel like, you know, he went to Minnesota for a few years and he kind of fell off the national radar. 
I'd say, I mean, I didn't really pay much attention to him since the 2011 finals where mm-hmm. LeBron James, like, couldn't back him down, couldn't back <laughs> this five foot eight guy down. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, like, really nice to see that this guy is still having NBA success and is, like, having, you know, it's just amazing that he's having this kind, four 20-point games in a row, like, to save a team season. It's just good for you, J.J. Perea. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's 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 been fun. He and Wes Matthews last night, or was it last night now? Yeah. Yeah, last night. Uh, yeah, they just started hitting threes. They, they sparked that whole run, and I think he had that and one to give them the lead right at the end. Well, actually, it wasn't right at the end because both teams went scoreless for a long time after <laughs> right, that. But right. yeah, I think that was the final score. So, was his his and one. Yeah, I, I've said before, uh, he was one of those ones, you know, as a Spurs fan for a long time, the two teams that you despise the most were the Lakers and the Mavericks. And he was one of the ones who was like the biggest pain in the ass, yeah. and that's that's I meant that in the most complimentary way. Right. And I always uh, appreciated what he was able to do, and like you said, he kind of fell off the map when he went to Minnesota, and that was a big loss for the Mavs. Yeah. So it's kind of neat that they got him back, and like you said, he's saving their season right now. Yeah, it just it goes to show you that they should have never broken up that team. Like Tyson Chandler yeah. came back last year, and he had a great year, and now he's garbage in phoenix and then jj <laughs> wasn't great in minnesota comes back to dallas it is a monster once again mm-hmm. so i don't know what they're doing in dallas but they should just bring back that whole band <laughs> keep, keep, get it back together keep it yeah. going screw dwight howard <laughs> all right well that's all we have for this episode of the nba podcast uh presented by b-wall breakdown once again i was joined by sarah chilea uh sarah been great talking with you and uh we'll catch up soon you too hang in there in colangelo we trust oh my god (laughs) all right take care everyone welcome to total wine and more it's much more than a wine store it's the eighth wonder of the world when people talk about total wine and more they get a little carried away we're just a big friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clothes. And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. 
That's what I'm having. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.